Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. I am Amy Rojek, Director of our Center for Corporate Governance, and have the pleasure of sitting down with Sheila Ronning, CEO and founder of Women in the Boardroom, a professional membership organization providing senior-level executive women with the tools, knowledge, and connections for corporate board service. Considered a pioneer in the industry and by her peers, Sheila broke the mold in 2002 with the launch of Women in the Boardroom by being the first to form such an organization with customized executive training programs and networking opportunities, creating a proven program and process for women to enter board service. Since its founding, Sheila has grown Women in the Boardroom into an organization with international outreach across multiple industries and countless private and public boardrooms, including Fortune 100 companies. Sheila, I'm so happy you're here and welcome to the program. I plan to discuss with Sheila her thoughts on how to not only get more women to the boardroom, but peel back and understand self-imposed hurdles that both men and women need to scale in order to get to those coveted director positions. So Sheila, let's, uh, let's start off with more of a general question in terms of boards in general. For example, I know you have some feelings about where to aim your sights when considering board service. So let's hear from you. What do you think? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with you today. And um, I'm excited to share some good information to help people get on board. So, you know, obviously we know there's the different types of boards, public, private, um, you know, advisory boards, and then also the not-for-profit boards. And I think we're all familiar, wouldn't you agree, Amy, that, you know, everybody knows what a public and private board are? Yes, yes. So let's, you know, I just want to briefly talk about the advisory boards, uh, you know, that it's not just for the startups. There's a lot of large companies that have advisory boards that, you know, they're not the same duties um, or pay or risk or time commitment as the, you know, the, the formal board itself, but they do pay. And so just, just to keep that in mind, um, a little teaser for you there, you know, even though we're not a search firm, we get in a lot of board openings and a few years back, we'd gotten in one for uh, Toyota. They wanted um, us to help them find somebody for their diversity advisory board, and they paid a hundred grand and a car. So not a bad gig. Yeah, not too shabby. Yeah. Now, not for profit boards is the other board. So first of all, you know, I never want anyone to stop doing their charitable work, but I just, you know, in my work with women. I just say, listen, you know, I have no desire to help women volunteer one more minute of their time. Um, women don't need to come and be a member of Women in the Boardroom to find a way to volunteer their time. <laughs> so, you know, but again, I don't want anybody to start doing their charitable work. It's not that I'm anti nonprofits because I'm not. I just focus on helping women get paid board seats. Um, and there's a lot of really great things that can come from serving on nonprofit boards. You know, first of all, if you've no board experience, consider hospital boards, government commissions, committees, 
or, you know, talk with entrepreneurs, you know, and volunteer to serve on their advisory board. If they don't have an advisory board, you can certainly encourage them to have one. Uh, there's lots of really great books out there on how, you know, entrepreneur can start an advisory board. When you do want to use that nonprofit board service as your stepping stone to a corporate board, there's just a couple of different things that I'd like, you know, boxes that I'd like you to check uh, in order to really maximize that nonprofit board. And one is to make sure that it's a large nonprofit board, that it's a well-run board so that you're learning good governance. Of course, you want to make sure you're passionate about the mission. Definitely take a leadership role. Uh, know what the expectations are as far as, you know, the give and get and the time commitment. Now, what I mean by that is, you know, do they want you to raise $100,000 or do, do you need to write out a check, you know, for 20000 And then also, do they want you five hours a week or five hours a month or five hours a quarter? And is it going to be for a year or five years? So really know what those expectations are before you're signing on, because of course, that's your reputation that you're signing on for and you want to make sure you know what the expectations are. And then definitely make sure there's men at the table so that you, you know, you can use it as networking. And I say, make sure there's men at the table because we know they're the ones who are serving on the corporate boards. So those are the different types of boards. But of course, you always need to make sure that you know what you're qualified for when it comes to the public and private. So just for instance, if you are, if you're somebody who has been throughout your career, you've been at a a, a mid-cap public company you've been an executive there, that's really where you're going to fall, uh, at least for your first board, as far as size and type of board. Uh, you, of course, can go down from that for your first board, but you certainly wouldn't be serving on a Fortune 500 for your first board. Right, right. Now, I think the, the thoughts around qualifications is important. So maybe one of the first areas for those aspiring to be a board director really needs to be understanding the why they want to be a director. And then to your point, what they do bring to that table. So how do you set people up for that kind of success? Like what is, what is the, I guess, the most meaningful uh, advice uh, activities you, you exercise with your um, hopeful board directors? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, right. I mean, first of all, you do, you need to know why you want to do this. If it's just for a paycheck, then don't do it. Because a lot of times, you'll end up putting in way more time and energy than you're going to be paid for. Um, I'm not saying that boards are not compensating their board members well at all, but I'm, and if you're doing it for just the paycheck, I just would strongly encourage you not to. When I'm speaking with board members, you know, their top reasons are always that it's that intellectual challenge, you know, whether they're starting to serve on boards during their career or they're, you know, waiting for that phase two in their life, right? Their retirement. Um, and they just, they love that intellectual challenge. You're sitting at the table with very smart people. You're learning about a, about a new co- uh, company. Typically, it's a, a different industry. And you're certainly doing your service to others. A lot of times we all think that, oh, I can only serve on a nonprofit to do service to others. But that's not true. Serving on a corporate board is service to others helping them get to that next level. Um, It certainly is a fulfilling second career. And you know what? It's an enhanced resume and reputation. So if you're looking to move ahead in your career, uh, it really is a great way to enhance your resume as well. Now, as far as the skill sets, you know, we need to know what our value add is, what our skill sets are. And what we do with our members, you know, we go through 
uh, a long list of, of questions to really kind of pull some different um, items from them. And we, you know, typically it's, you know, are you a qualified financial expert? I mean, those qualified financial experts are definitely someone who is sought after to sit on a corporate board. It's not the only thing that you need to check the box with, but that's never going to change. They're always going to need uh, the audit committee, those qualified financial experts. And, um, you know, do you have global experience? Are you, you know, have you been an executive, you know, say it was the, the mid cap public company, you want to make sure that you're, when you're giving your, what we call it, you know, that elevator pitch, right? You want to make sure that you are clearly articulating not only who you are, what you bring to the table, but also think about what are the different types of situations that a company might be going through where you would add value. So are they pre-IPO? Uh, or is it somebody that is, you know, really needing to make sure that the risk they take aligns with the strategy, you know, that the company is taking? Or, you know, is it somebody that is adding new product lines? You know, is it a a company that, you know, is really needing to overhaul and transform their technology. So have those key points of what are the buzzwords for board service and what are, you know, it's constantly evolving as far as what boards are looking for. So really I would, you know, zone into educating yourself on what is the role of a board member and, and make sure the information that you're getting is current because it's constantly changing. No, I agree. And and so you mentioned something that kind of piqued my interest. So elevator pitch. Yeah. There's one thing to say when you have a specific board or a specific company that you're looking at or hoping to serve on, there's one way to kind of focus in on that to your point where you're looking at your experience and how that'll fit in. You're looking, you know, what the existing board might look like. But what about in general, when you're just starting right. to search and you, you're trying to understand like, what is my value? If I were to meet someone tomorrow and say, I'd be perfect for a board because of X, how do you develop that? How do you start thinking along those lines? And especially, you know, I guess this program is for women and men, but I think, you know, all too common women have the tendency not to kind of, you know, they feel uncomfortable touting their um, accomplishments. So how, what's your advice there? Yeah, well, you know, just well. So first of all, let's back up even and, and talk. About what is the elevator? What is an elevator pitch, and why? You know, why? Are, why is it important to make sure you have yours down, right? Well, the way you're going to get onto a board is is by networking. Now, I know that could be a dirty word to some people, but I promise you, it's it's not all that that bad. It's you know, if you have, I always say our network wants to help us, but we need to help them help us. So if we are clearly articulating what our value add is. And so that's the elevator pitch. But if you happen to be in the elevator, let's say with Bob on the first floor, you're going up to the 15th floor and you need to quickly let him, you know, you're having this conversation and and it's a great opportunity for you to let him know, you know, really what you're looking for. And I'm I'm just going to make one up right now and hopefully that'll answer your question as well. But so let's say I, you know, I am a experienced global executive with mid-cap public companies. And I am also an experienced um, board member with privately held companies. And I'm interested in getting onto a corporate board. And then you can go into my expertise is, you know, or with my expertise in, in corporate governance and strategy, you know, and then think of the, the different sweet spots for you. Where would you really be able to help a company get to the next level 
with your areas of expertise, right? Well, maybe the, the strategy piece is that, you know, you're really good at uncovering what could potentially be uh, for risk, or maybe your um, expertise is ESG. So you really are going to, in the strategy for the company, you will be able to help uncover what is going, going to be good for the environment and what's not going to be good for the environment is, you know, how it relates to that company's products or services. Yeah, per- perfect. I think, you know, the, those are the types of things that I think we all, we all too often trip over when we're, you know, we're trying to get, you know, we think through our resume and in, in our minds when we're encountering this and we have all these bullet points and all these, these experience that we have, but really trying to narrow that down. If someone's going to pay you, you know, 30 seconds, one minute of their attention, what's the most impactful statements you can make to that person so that they walk away knowing, A, you've just expressed your interest in getting on a board, most importantly, and then two, why you're qualified to do so. And kind right. of think of those two simple questions and you formulate your approach that way. I think that that really is something that's probably difficult to do but could be very, very highly impactful and could, could leave a lasting impression on that individual that you met in the elevator. Well, right. But, you know, also think about it, Amy, how many times has somebody come up to you and said, oh my gosh, I, I need to get a new job. And, and they've just gone radio silent after they've said that. And so now you're the one who's supposed to ask them, well, okay, well, what kind of job are you looking for? <laughs> right. You know, right. We just, we can't go up to people and say, Hey, I'm really interested in serving on a corporate board. Okay, so so Sheila, I think you teed this up nicely. So, what are the common mistakes, or the most common mistakes, I guess, you see from both aspiring women and men they make when they when they're seeking board service? What are those? What are those yeah. issues that we can we can address immediately today? Okay, so there's there's a couple of things. One, it definitely you need to be in it for the long haul because it does take time. I mean, NACD, the National Association of Corporate Directors, puts out that it would take anywhere from three to five years to get onto your first board after you start working towards it. So definitely be ready to put the time in and continue to educate yourself. When you're going to your network, make sure that you're not putting yourself into that mentee-mentor role with your network. If you do that, they're not going to feel comfortable in connecting you because they feel like you're not ready. And it will affect their personal brand if, you know, if they do that and you're not ready. So make sure that you're, you're doing the work before you start reaching out to your network. No, have that elevator pitch ready. You know, have your value proposition ready. Have a plan. And, and know that it's not reaching out to your network as a one and done. Because it really is all about timing. And it's all about maintaining those relationships. So you know, you also need to make sure that you have your board documents, a board bio, a professional profile that really will take a look at, at your accomplishments and your achievements and the impact you've had. And those are the things that are highlighted in your board, board packet. Um, so with all of those, you know, different pieces and some patience and persistence, you'll get there. So, so say a little bit more about networks, because I think people often misconstrue the word network for being those individuals in your business surroundings that you know. I think yeah. we can all agree that networks extend much more broadly than that. I mean, it could be anywhere. I've actually had great success with just chatting other parents up on the sidelines at exactly. soccer, right? So exactly. I mean, it, it, networks come in all shapes and sizes. And I think if you're 
you're smart about positioning yourself, you'll, you'll tend to look at this much more broadly and you'll understand of the individuals you currently know, you know, what is their, what is their position in life? Where are they linked? What are, what are their passions? What are their interests and how do they align with yours? And obviously how does that align with your objective to approach board service? And I think one thing with that is then communicating to that network that you actually are seeking a board service. I think one of the things that I always find people make the fundamental mistake, which is kind of not rocket science, but they don't let people know that they want to be on a board. They just assume that that's an obvious next step for them, but they don't actually open their mouth, say the word. Do you see that? Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, there's a lot of assumptions out there, right? That one, people know that what we're good at and two, that we're you know, looking for a corporate board seat. I mean, I just, you know, I am always like, well, are they supposed to read your mind? (laughs) So no, absolutely. I would say, listen, you know, think about the people in your life that are what I would call those influencers and connectors. They don't all have to be serving on a corporate board. That's not just who you need to be networking with. It's really that wider net of those influencers and connectors and, you know, influencers, obviously people who have the influence to affect a decision Connectors are people who are extremely well connected and they're energized by connecting people and really do a good, you know, back away from your electronics, right? And and just spend like 10, 15 minutes even thinking about who do I know? And, you know, you can do it whether it's chronologically, geographically, throughout your life. And, you know, because we forget people all the time. I mean, how many times have you run into your buddy Joe? And you realize, oh my gosh, I haven't talked to Joe in what, 10 years. So it's the people that you really should be re-engaging with tend to, for our members, I know, um, be the biggest source for them as far as corporate boards. I mean, the people that you're closest with and you're talking to all the time, they're giving you everything they've got. Right, right. Now, I think that's great. And I think to your point, social media has made that so much easier. So Leveraging things like LinkedIn, like Facebook, like Twitter, all of those things, I've actually been able to develop some really neat relationships with individuals that, you know, I've haphazardly connected with on LinkedIn, but then we found we've had a mutual kind of um, goal in mind. So we share, you know, whether it's sharing articles, whether it's sharing opportunities or events that I'm, you know, putting together and, and would like a speaker. I mean, all of those things has really been helpful, especially right now with the, the environment we're all living in that's virtual. This is a prime opportunity for people to be reaching out using those vehicles in a meaningful way. I'm not just suggesting go right. out, throw your name out and invite, you know, 3000 people to be your friend on LinkedIn, but really putting to your point, some thoughtful effort in on, okay, so what am I looking for? What type of individual might I connect with that could be helpful in that regard? And if you're really being, you know, honest with yourself, how can I help that person? Again, kind of going back to what can I bring? I I sat down with a board member um, a couple months ago, and one of her best advice that I really enjoyed listening to um, was, hey, you know, you got to put yourself out there first. first. Have something of value to offer. And that will pay dividends in return. So if you kind of give some free advice, free information, what have you, to kind of set that the tone of that relationship, that individual that benefited from that information is going to remember you and can pay it back in kind. So I thought that was really good advice. 
Yep. And, you know, when I'm, so we have a very structured program, right, for the networking piece of it. And it always, you always are, start. you know, first of all, you're always sincere in connecting with your network, right? And, but it's not, it cannot be a me, me, me. You know, you really go into those conversations where it is, oh my gosh, thank you so much for taking the time to connect. How have you been? And you're, you know, you're letting them go first. And, thinking of, you know, while they're giving you kind of their update in life, it's like, well, what can I do to help this person? But, you know, it's also doing a little research on them ahead of time in case you, you know, there's something that you see where you could help out, but it's always offering to help. And, and then if you feel like it's the right time, then you, you know, mention of your interest, right. But you don't, you know, you're not going to just go and tell every single person that you come across. Right. You don't lead. You don't lead with that. Hi. Yeah. I haven't seen you in yeah. 10 years. I would love to be on a board. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not, yeah. not rocket science, but, yeah. but certainly, right. you know, it's certainly the sincerity yeah. I, I raised yeah. me. Yes. So any other thoughts, Sheila, as, as we're wrapping up on, on what you've seen work well, what you had wished some of your, um, I'll call them proteges have, have adopted yeah. that would be really helpful for, for those on the call today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, I mean, again, I just have to go back to, you know, be in it for the long haul, realize that you do have to do the work. I mean, when, when, when people are signing for our program, I'm almost like, you know, it just, if you don't have five hours a month, don't do this. But when you break that down, it's not a lot of time. Right. And you, you need to have that discipline behind it. And, you know, um, you know, you do, you have to stay educated, but also realize that when you finally do get call for that interview, you probably have an interview for anything in a long, long time. So make sure that you're prepared. And I will say that not every interview is a formal interview. So I'll have someone say, oh no, they just wanted to meet up for a glass of wine or they just know they just wanted to have a quick phone call. I'm like, interview and interview. (laughs) Those are both interviews. So anytime you're in a conversation with somebody, it is an interview be prepared. Right. No, that, that, that's perfect advice. Well, listen, Sheila, I really want to thank you for your thoughts today. Um, we also recently did a webcast program today that goes into a lot of these concepts in more detail. So you can find that on www.bdo.com, uh, taking a decisive step toward the boardroom. So Sheila, I just want to thank you once again for spending your time with me today and look forward to working with you in the future. Good one. Thank you for having me. All right. Sheila Ronning, everyone. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash bdo knows governance.